Today's reading is from Proverbs 17, 27 to Proverbs 18, 21. And this can be found on page 653. I read. The one who has knowledge uses words with restraint, and whoever has understanding is even-tempered. Even fools are thought wise if they keep silent, and discerning if they hold their tongues. And a friendly person pursues selfish ends, and against all sound judgments starts quarrels. Fools find no pleasure in understanding, but delight in airing their own opinions. When wickedness comes, so does contempt, and with shame comes reproach. The words of of the mouth are deep waters, but the fountain of wisdom is a rushing stream. It is not good to be partial to the wicked and so deprive the innocent of justice. The lips of fools bring them strife and their mouths invite a beating. The mouths of fools are their undoing and the lips are a snare to to their very lives. The words of a gossip are like choice muscles that go down to the inmost parts. One who is slack in his work in his work, one who is slack in his work is brother to one who destroys. The name of the Lord is a fortified tower. The righteous runs to it and are safe. The wealth of the rich is a fortified city. They imagine it a world too high to scale. Before a downfall of the heart, before a downfall, the heart is haughty, but humility comes before honor. To answer before listening, that is folly and shame. The human spirit can endure in times of illness, but a crushed spirit who can bear. The heart of the discerning acquires knowledge, for the ears of the wise seek it out. A gift opens the way and ushers the giver into the presence of the great. In a lawsuit, The first to speak seems right until someone comes forward and cross-examines. Casting the lot settles disputes and keeps strong opponents apart. A brother wronged is more unyielding than a fortified city. Disputes are like the barred gates of a citadel. 
from the fruit of the stomach, from the fruit of the mouth, a person's stomach is filled. With the habit, harvest of their lips, they are satisfied. The tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. Well, good morning uh, again, and um, good to see everybody today. Obviously, we're continuing in the book of Proverbs. Proverbs is, as we've said, not easy to understand, not easy to read either. So, Tolly, thank you very much. So good, smashed it. Um, uh, And as we discussed last week, Proverbs, uh, a bit like Wisdom's Buffet. So having, whatever that was, 23 proverbs all in one go is a little bit like eating 23 canapes back to back. Now some of you may think that's a great idea, but I think for most of us that would probably result in a bit of indigestion. So we're not going to think about all of those proverbs, but we're going to reflect on some of them. Um, Some of the, I was going to say some of the tastiest ones. They're all good, um, but uh, some in particular. Before I waffle any more, let's pray and then we'll take a look at this passage together. Father God, we thank you for your word, and we thank you that we know, because you've told us, all scripture is breathed out by you and profitable for teaching, for rebuking, for correcting, for training in righteousness, and for making us wise, wise unto salvation. And so, Lord, we pray you'd be doing that work in us this morning, that you'd be making us wise for this life and wise for eternity to live better lives now and drawing us towards eternal life and we ask it in jesus name amen well words can be very powerful can't they you'll know the saying the pen is mightier than the sword that's arguably true you'll also know the saying sticks and stones may break my bones but words can never hurt me and you'll know that that is completely ridiculous. I don't know about you, I can't remember any of the injuries that I sustained at primary school. I'm sure there are a few skinned knees um, or a few, uh, you know, hurt elbows when I fell over. But I do remember some of the words that were said to me, even at that young age, some of those things which stay with us far longer. Words can change things. August 28th, 1963, Martin Luther King I have a dream. June the 12th, 1987, Ronald Reagan, Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. March the 23rd, 2020, Boris Johnson, from this evening, I must give the British people a very simple instruction. You must stay at home. A few words, and then for months afterwards, empty offices, empty schools, empty streets. Words have power. And if you're paying attention to the news this last week, June the 14th, 2021, with one word, Cristiano Ronaldo, agua, and four billion taken off the share price of Coca-Cola. That's power. That is words having power. As we were going through our short series in Proverbs, we've seen that words are not, the wisdom in Proverbs is not just practical, it's also moral. 
And then last week we saw that proverbs themselves don't make you wise. Knowing a proverb does not make you wise. You actually have to be wise to know how to use them. However, as we use them, as we read them, and even more so as we think about them and test them out in everyday life, they will make us wise. I've been reading through Proverbs um, over and again, and there are two themes that have really struck it, stuck out to me. And we're going to deal with one of them this week, and it's no surprise that it's words, and then another one next week, which I think is even more important, probably the fundamental lesson from Proverbs for us. But you'll have to come back next week to find out what that is. This week, words and their power. Power to change the lives of other people. Power to change our own lives. And that the way we use words reveals who we really are. Well, as I've been reading through Proverbs again and again, so much on words... But uh, we jumped around a bit too much last week in the sermon, I think. So today we are just going to stick with the passage that Tolly read and then one New Testament passage which I'll point us to at the end. So that's on page 653. If you want to follow along, there are Bibles under the chairs or on the pews if you're there. Um, And we're in Proverbs chapter 17, verse 27, um, and then into chapter 18, and that's on page 653. But... There is far more um, here than we've got time to uh, look through in all, of, uh, in all of these 23 verses. So once again, I hope that you're inspired by some of these, possibly some that, that were read that we won't have a time to look at, and you'll go away and want to think about and explore them more for yourselves. But the first thing I think we see here with regard to words and wisdom in Proverbs is this. Wise people know when to speak and when to stay quiet, fools don't know when they should shut up. Wise people know when to speak and when to stay quiet, fools don't know when to shut up. And if I accidentally looked at anyone in particular there, I didn't mean anything. Um, In fact, for all of this sermon, there's a risk that it can be quite offensive um, to us. I'm not thinking of anyone in particular. I think I'm just saying what the Bible says. So wise people know when to speak and when to stay quiet. Fools don't know when they should shut up. Uh, Verse 27, the one who has knowledge uses words with restraint, and whoever has understanding is even-tempered. As I've been reading through the book of Proverbs, this word or this concept, this idea has come up again and again and again, this idea of restraint. Restraint or self-control, the ability to hold ourselves back, to not speak when we shouldn't, to not act when we shouldn't, to control ourselves, to control our anger, to control our words. And if we read this, and then we think about the implications of, well, if this is not us, then what does that mean? The one who has knowledge uses words with restraint. Whoever has understanding is even-tempered. What does that say about us if we don't use words with restraint, if we are not even-tempered? Now, that's not to say that we won't ever get angry. As we know, there is a righteous anger. There is a good anger when we see evil or injustice in the world. But if we are the kind of people who, wherever we go, we're constantly getting into arguments, constantly getting into fights, constantly upsetting people with our words, frequently blowing up out of anger, well, then Proverbs 27 would say we shouldn't think of ourselves as wise. Because the one who has knowledge 
uses words with restraint, and whoever has understanding is even tempered. May be challenging for us. Verse 28, I think there's a bit of humor here as well to be found. Even fools are thought wise if they keep silent and discerning if they hold their tongues. But without restraint, well, we see the person without restraint, the non-even tempered person in chapter 18, verse 1. An unfriendly person pursues selfish ends and against all sound judgment starts quarrels. Wherever they go, quarreling starts against all sound judgment when it would clearly be better not to say something, to bite our tongues, to not speak, to not take this moment to tell our truth. Instead, we speak and arguments follow us wherever we go. And in the most extreme version, we see that in verses 6 and 7. The lips of fools bring them strife and their mouths invite a beating. The mouths of fools are their undoing, and their lips are a snare to their very lives. Now, I grew up in the kind of town where you can get into trouble if you walk down the street and look at somebody wrong. You know, what are you looking at? You're looking at me. What's your problem? All that sort of stuff. So sometimes you don't have to speak to get into trouble. But here, the, the author is speaking of that person who, when something happens to them, everyone says, to be honest, they had it coming because it's the kind of person who's always saying things to get themselves into trouble. The fool's own words get them into trouble. Now, that doesn't mean that we should never speak. So the wise person knows when to speak and when not to speak. The fool doesn't know when to shut up, but the wise person knows when to speak and when not to. And in verse 5, we do see an example where the wise person will know that it's right to speak up even if you might get into trouble. Verse 5, it is not good to be partial to the wicked and so deprive the innocent of justice. Think of the commandment, you shall not be a false witness. Sometimes the wise person will speak up for what is just and what is right against powerful people, wicked, powerful people. Even though it may put us at risk, it is still the right thing to do. So sometimes the lips of the wise will bring trouble but it is because they are doing the righteous thing, not because they are doing the foolish thing. So here's the question as we read these. The wise person knows when to speak and when not to, and the fool just does not know when they should stop talking. Am I a wise person? We want to ask ourselves. Am I a wise person or am I a fool? And in these verses, in this idea, we have not only the diagnosis. uh, Elsewhere, Proverbs says, where words are many, sin is not absent. Where words are many, sin is not absent. The more we speak, the more chance there is of foolish, sinful talk. We have not only the diagnosis, but also the cure. So if you can't walk or run without getting out of breath... And there's nothing else wrong with us. If we can't walk or run without getting out of breath, the cure for not being able to walk or run without getting out of breath is walking or running more. If the problem is our cardiovascular fitness, a problem with our heart, the cure for not being able to walk or run without getting out of breath is walking or running more. If we talk too much, if we don't know when we should talk and don't know when we should not talk, revealing in us 
and inner foolishness? Well, the cure is talk less. The cure is think before speaking. But not just talk less, listen more. So this is the second thing we see. Fools talk more than they listen. Wise people listen more than they talk. Fools talk more than they listen. Wise people listen more than they talk. Chapter 18, verse 2. Fools find no pleasure in understanding, but delight in airing their own opinions. So the person described here doesn't actually, isn't actually interested in fully understanding an issue, in digging deep and getting to the bottom of it, in realizing that there are parts of it that they don't understand. They just want to share their wisdom, to share what they know. Um, Ed Welch, who teaches uh, Christian counseling in the United States, uh, incredibly helpful quote that I heard from him a number of years ago. He said, most conversations are just each person waiting for the other person to stop speaking so that they can start speaking. Most conversations are just each person waiting for the other person to stop talking so that they can start talking. No actual listening. I'm sure we've all been in those conversations where you say something and the person goes, oh yeah, 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 yeah. That's just like X, Y, Z. And you think to yourself, it's nothing like that. You weren't listening to what I was saying at all. That's just the thing that you wanted to say. And you took what was said and ran with it. Whereas, so fools, verse 2, find no pleasure in understanding but delight in airing their own opinions. Verse 15, but the heart of the discerning acquires knowledge for the ears of the wise seek it out. So as so often in Proverbs there, we have a parallelism. The person who is wise is also the person who is discerning. The heart of the discerning person cannot help picking up knowledge. The truly discerning person learns wherever they go, acquires knowledge wherever they go, for their ears seek it out. They listen more than they talk. And lastly under this one, verse 13 Incredibly insightful. Chapter 18, verse 13. To answer before listening, that is folly and shame. Again, don't know if you've been in that situation where you start to say something and then someone jumps in partway through before you've even finished talking and answers what they think you are going to say. But it wasn't what you were going to say at all. And sometimes it's fairly neutral. It can be really, really hurtful, depending on where it goes. John Piper has a great article on this, which I might well send around on this very verse, just all reflecting on it. This is his final two conclusions. He says this. Proverbs 18.13 says, It is our folly to answer before we hear. That is, it will make us a fool. One reason for this is that almost all premature answers are based on thinking we know all that we need to know. That is foolish. Our attitude should be, what can I learn from this question? It is the fool who thinks he knows all he needs to know. It is our folly to answer before we hear. And then Proverbs 18.13 says, it is our shame to answer before we hear. 
So Piper says this, What if you were asked publicly, My wife and I have had serious problems, and we were wondering... And you cut the questioner off by giving your answer about the value of counselling and what counsellors might be helpful. But then he says, Well, actually, what I was going to say was... My wife and I have had serious problems and we were wondering, now that our counselling is over and things are better than ever, how would you suggest that we celebrate? Then you will be shamed for not listening. To answer before listening, that is folly and shame. The foolish person talks more than they listen. The wise person listens more than they talk. But lastly we see here, Whether foolish or wise, our words will determine our destiny. So don't turn to it, but let me just read from Matthew chapter 12, verses 34 to 37. This is Jesus speaking. The mouth speaks what the heart is full of. A good person brings good things out of the good stored up in them. And an evil person brings evil things out of the evil stored up in them. But I tell you that everyone will have to give account on the day of judgment for every careless word they have spoken. For by your words you will be acquitted, and by your words you will be condemned. And note that Jesus says we will be judged not by the careful words that we have spoken, not by the words we might have said at the front of church after some prepared remarks, Not the answer that we might give when we're being very careful about how we speak, but by every careless word spoken. Because it is the careless word, the word that springs from us without thought, that reveals what is really going on in our hearts. Proverbs chapter 18 verse 20. From the fruit of their mouth, a person's stomach is filled with the harvest of their lips they are satisfied. Now that's interesting because that verse is neutral. That means that the righteous person finds satisfaction in saying good things, in hearing good things. But we see the other side of it in verse 8. The words of a gossip are like choice morsels. They go down into the inward parts. I don't know if you've ever observed that in yourself. I've I've seen it in myself. When someone is telling me something that I probably don't need to know, but I really want to know because it's about someone else, some gossip. And the Bible's very clear that gossip is not what we should be seeking after. But I found in myself that desire, I want to know. I want an almost kind of physical longing to, to be on the inside track, to know what's going on in the community, in other people's lives, even in the church. The words of a gossip are like choice morsels. They go down to the inmost parts. But the writer of the Proverbs concludes this in verse 21. The tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit. So from the fruit of their mouth, a person's stomach will be filled With the harvest of their lips, they will be satisfied. The gossip, with choice morsels of gossip, the wise person will be satisfied with wisdom. The tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit. So, do we love gossip?
Do we talk too much? Do we not know when we should be quiet? Do we talk more than we listen? We need a changed heart because what goes into the heart is what will come out of it. Verse 15 again, the heart of the discerning acquires knowledge for the ears of the wise seek it out. We will live or die by our words because our words will reveal our heart. Jesus says we will be judged by every careless word. That will reveal what is really in our heart. Well, as we've said, Proverbs is about living in line with reality. And of course, the ultimate reality is God. And so if we are living in this world without reference to God, then we are not living in line with reality. We need to harmonize with that reality. So I can't under- we cannot understand life in this world if we are not viewing it through the cross, if we are not viewing it through the Lord Jesus. Turn over with me to um, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. It's on page 1161, if you're in uh, a church Bible. Because here's the thing, however much we might want to be wise, however much we might want to be better at listening and better at knowing when to stay quiet and when not to, we will still mess up. We will still get it wrong. If it was just by our words apart from Christ that we were judged, then we would have no hope. And we would have no hope of change. Because as we've said, the words come out of our hearts. If the problem, if we have a lack of cardiovascular fitness, is we need to train our heart, well, the problem if we have bad words coming from our heart is we need a new heart. Bottom of uh, page 1161, 2 Corinthians 5, verse 14. For Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all, Jesus died for all, and therefore all died. Our old life is gone. Our old heart is gone. And Jesus died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. Jesus died, that we who live in him should no longer live for ourselves, no longer live to air our opinions to others, to be thought wise by others, to acquire gossip for ourselves, to feed ourselves with selfishness. Jesus died to save us from selfish living, to save us from words coming out of an evil place in our hearts. We are now to live as Christ's person, not our own person, to walk Jesus' path, to encourage others to walk Jesus' path, And that leads to eternal life. When we have come to know Christ, it is the words coming out of our hearts that, as we saw in the Sermon on the Mount, again and again and again, the words that come out of our hearts will show whether or not we have trusted. We won't be saved or condemned on the basis of those words as a work. We don't earn our place in heaven by saying enough good things. We're not condemned by saying a few bad things. But the words that spring naturally from us will show whether or not we have come to know Christ or whether we haven't. So as we close then, we want to say, who governs us? Who governs our words? To whom do we listen ultimately? And for whom do we speak ultimately? We aren't able to change our own hearts. But Jesus is. 
And then once we have come to him, then to listen to him again and again and again, to put his words into our hearts, and then his words will come out of our hearts. When we speak, it will be wisdom if it is the outflow from a godly heart committed to his ways and not to our ways. Let's pray that we would be the wise. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for your grace to us. Thank you that in Christ we can have changed hearts, that you come to us, you wash us clean, you renew us, and then we can be wise. And so, Lord, for each one of us, help us take that, that fundamental step of trusting in you in the first place, to be those humble, wise ones who use our words to turn to you, to profess faith in your name. And then having turned to you, to keep listening to you, to lean on you, not on our own understanding, to listen more than we speak, to be wise, to know when to speak and when not to. Wise in this life, wise for eternity. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.